All right, we're back in episode two of Building Chipper, where we are talking about Building Chipper. Who knew? <laughs> it's a good intro. Yeah, That's I didn't have favorite. anything good to follow up with. That was just enough <laughs> for me. It's like, why is he saying such stupid things? That's <laughs> uh, good. Because you don't need, you want a cold open, but you don't want the chilliest ever. Just, just in <laughs> mid-sentence, cold open. Yeah. We should do that sometime. Just surprise each other and hit record at random moments. <laughs> All right. Project updates. We got project updates and we got some business questions or something. I don't know. We'll just air all the all the ideas. The airing of grievances. <laughs> all right. What has been going on in Chipper lately? All right. How many weeks has it been? Is this one week or two weeks since we did the first episode? I think it's been two weeks. Okay, so there's actually been quite a bunch of things. Well, done. we really we recorded it, and I think we released it a week later. So it might be this one week to the, the listener. Yeah. Okay, that's true too. What are the most important feature updates we've done? Uh, we have a list in front of us, but I'm trying to think if it's incomplete. I was looking at um, the PRs we made on the project, but you know everything else is kind of like in place i think the, okay so the latest things going in order from the last time we talked is i know you did a bunch of work into getting team invites and billing and all that kind of stuff in place so in theory we can actually have people pay us at some point yeah i think we talked a little bit about whether or not to add that in our first version you know because it's kind of in vogue to not have that and just manually onboard people <laughs> right but it's also really inconvenient it it's is. nice to have I it mean, in place I feel like for this, it makes sense to have that in place. Like to have, I mean, it's the code is there right now, so we can do some tweaks to it and be like, all right, put your credit card in. Yeah. And Laravel makes it so easy. I mean, to get most of that in place in a place, you know, in a state that feels secure and like handled that it's not as big of a deal, especially we're, we're kind of like doing the slow bootstrapping thing. So we don't have the time crunch. We kind of mentioned that last week. Yeah, that's true. Actually, it's like, it's all time crunch because we both have things competing with our time <laughs> yeah. at the same time. It's like, we don't need to get this out by a date, which is kind of nice. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know about you, but I work better like that. of knowing I have only like two hours a day to work on this thing, two, three yeah. hours a day. Like that, that motivates me more to get some really solid work out of those hours. Yeah. It's like, just start with something, just open the code editor and start on something. And you know that you'll hopefully come out with a feature or, some fix or something. Yeah. If I had all the time in the world, I would just be procrastinating. I've been doing quite a few design updates to the app, just like little tweaks here and there to kind of refine the interface more as we figure out what the stupid thing's supposed to be. Yeah. Which is great. Cause my thing is always like, Oh, I'll get to that later. And then I never get to it. I'm just trying to get like these other, uh, build related features in place. Yeah. So it's just been going over the, the design with a fine tooth comb and just kind of, feeling out the pieces of the app that are like annoying you for some reason, <laughs> you know, the yeah. interface pieces that are like, why is this bugging me? All right. So team invites billing logic. We've done a lot of UI updates. I finally got GitLab integration done just the other day, which feels nice to get all the three big players in place, GitHub, GitLab, and Bitbucket. Um, and eventually I want to support GitLab self-hosted, and I guess GitHub Enterprise, which is like GitHub self-hosted thing. I don't really know how complicated that is to do. I think it's just replacing the URL you hit, like the domain, like gitlab.com versus, you know, yourhosts.gitlab.com or whatever. Um, it wouldn't even be .gitlab.com probably because it's your own custom domain in most cases. Sorry, my daughter's right here. 
looking in my French windows for my office. Oh man! Oh man! I just got doors. So we're having a kid. Kids due in uh, November. The second kid, and we got doors for a room that's going to become my office. And we were going to get windows, but we decided last minute to get windowless doors, and it's probably going to be the best decision, <laughs> just to have solid wood doors that no kid can glance into and like start knocking on the window. Yeah, we'll see. Dad, there's a dead bird out here. That's what she's telling me. That's so good. <laughs> Handle her. <laughs> okay, no problem. So you got GitLab integration in place, which is yep. a huge feature. Got GitLab integration. Uh, self-hosted, I want to do. I don't know if a self-hosted is complicated or not. Uh, I think it's just using a different URL to point to wherever server is hosting your self-hosted uh, GitLab. So hopefully it's that simple. Yeah, my naive assumption is that they, those would follow the same like URL contract or right, webhook exactly. functionality, payloads and all that. Yeah, my quick glance on the docs seems to support that that's the case because the documentation is just like gitlab.yourdomain.com.example or whatever they use in the documentation. So should be good that way. I'm hoping GitHub is the same, um, but I just don't know yet. That'll come eventually, but that's I'm not prioritizing that because I think just getting these big three um, hosted solutions is probably going to be like the 99.9% .9 use case. Yeah. Do you know anybody that self-hosts like GitHub or GitLab? I, um, so I got some of the Titan team into the project to test it out and kind of put it through its paces, which actually worked out a lot better than I thought it would. <laughs> like it actually worked, which is great. Wonderful. Um, except, uh, one of their clients has a self-hosted GitLab that's behind a VPN. So we couldn't get through the requirement that it's behind a VPN because it's, you know, in a private network somewhere. That is not a thing. I don't think we could even be equipped to do unless we offered like a self-hosted version of Chipper CI or something, which is mm. kind of not really in the plans, but it's kind of an interesting idea for the future too. Yeah, it seems possible if we could grow to support such a thing. It's kind of a, a choice, you know? It's like self-hosting and just like more enterprising features like that. Yeah, Do you exactly. ever want to do those? I'm sure there's money to be had, but, you know, if we stay small and we're just serving this you know, really small niche may not be something we want to even approach with. Yeah, that's definitely right. That's definitely the trade-off. Like there's more money in enterprise, but there's a lot more work. The sales cycle is long. Employees, they, you know. They, yeah, and they want to know about like your security situation. Yeah, you know, contract security, security like oh my God. uptime agreements. Mm -hmm. And that's just stuff that's not, uh, I'm not SLAs. interested in that kind of stuff right now. No SLAs, thank you. <laughs> yeah. The enterprise features are fine. We just integrated uh, SAML authentication into HelpSpot for HelpSpot's next major release. I thought that would be a lot harder than it ended up being. But yeah, that's I like a super I don't even know what that feature. is. Exactly. Just like single sign-on and SAML is like the, the protocol. Um, but it's very, you usually see that in like the enterprise level of whatever apps. I thought it would be a lot harder to set up than it was. Um, so like the features itself that are enterprisey isn't bad, but it's definitely all the legwork to get the sale and to keep it and, you know, SLAs, like you said, and their security questionnaires and all that garbage. Mm -hmm. Not looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Might have to punt on that for a little bit and get yeah. the people in. <laughs> uh, okay. What else? Um, I think in terms of the UI stuff, we updated how we handle environment variables and Chiffer a lot to be more in line with kind of how Laravel does it. Uh, the editor is basically a large text area with formatting, uh, similar to the build pipeline, right? So it like has syntax highlighting, all that nice stuff. 
Um, but it's really just like editing a, your .m file in your Laravel project now. And yeah. you can drag and drop your .m file and it does some processing and, and populates the environments uh, based on the file you dropped in. So those right. are kind of a lot nicer to get that piece up and running. Yeah, um, before had, it was sort of like this view instance that was creating a JSON payload. So you like would add an environment variable and it would add a new row with a, the key and a value and it would put it all together in this JSON payload. But I, I really put it together because I was just looking at what everyone else was doing. Right. And was like, oh, that seems like we have to have that. I mean, I know that I use environment variables, but yeah, exactly. it never really occurred to me that you know it could just be a text editor. Yeah, exactly. And I would prefer it that way. Yeah, and when you mentioned that, I didn't even get what you said. I thought we would like just upload an M file and then auto-populate the, the key value things, but um, editing those sucks. Like, I just had to do it in CodeShip again today for another project at work, uh, where it's like the individual fields, and you have to like quick add new, fill it out. It's really so much nicer to edit it in a thing that is just like text area. It's just like yeah. editing your .m file in your IDE. I think it's part of the code ship like their customer base is all over the all over the place with like regards to languages and frameworks and so that's like right. covers all of the bases there where we're in the laravel world and everyone not everyone but a large portion of people are using like forge and envoy and those are just text fields or yeah, exactly. text areas to edit environment variables and so the pattern's already in place where people are used to that yeah, I like being in this niche a lot because we have such a better idea of how everything works and is put together. Like that's been that's been really nice in a few ways. Okay, cool. I'm looking at our list of things to talk about. Um, the build system mostly works. Trademark is my next note, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is really like the part where I have other people who are not me and David in the alpha of our application, just trying it out with their own projects. And so far, it's working really well. And I'm actually kind of surprised. I thought more things would break, um, but they're not, which is awesome. So people have been using their projects, using like a MySQL database over the default SQLite and all that kind of good stuff. And it's all been kind of working pretty smoothly. That's awesome. That's yeah. re really cool because <laughs> it's always nice when it works locally, but it's even better when oh, the man, alpha so works with other people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, there's definitely some stuff to test out. There is an aspect of like using a database, uh, an actual database like Postgres and MySQL that I have to double check is actually working like I thought it would. There was some confusion at one point with someone like whether or not it was actually using SQLite or MySQL. Um, so from that, I think I'm going to also improve what it looks like when a build fails to maybe output some debugging information, like the environment that Laravel sees or something like that. Um, because I think that'll be really useful to know, like what database default connection is actually Laravel using, that kind of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Because um, it's really weird. Because the PHP unit XML file can overwrite some stuff depending on how it's set, uh, even if the environment variables are set on the system level, which in theory has the highest precedence. So there's garbage like that to figure out. There's like five different places you can set environment variables. Yeah, which is kind of annoying, which is why I want to see, I want to figure out how to see what Laravel sees, what PHP is seeing, seeing specifically, and not just like try to guess based on system environments and then like the stuff in your .m file and the stuff in your .m.testing file versus the stuff in PHP unit.xml and all that. Or even stuff. the build step, somebody could potentially set an environment variable right in the build step. Yeah, absolutely. Which is actually a thing I'm going to do to move uh, our thermostat app at work over to over to Chipper. What do you think about Cloudflare and their issues they had? 
<laughs> breaking the entire internet. Oh my God. Yeah. It's nice when your customer base is technical and they kind of know there's nothing you can do about it because it's some upstream thing that's completely broken. Um, HelpSpot isn't that customer base. So we had to field a bunch of customer support for people wondering why HelpSpot Cloud was mostly not working for them. And I mean, a lot of them get it in the end, so it wasn't too bad of an issue, but it's just kind of frustrating to have people send in like their urgent requests of like, everything's broken. And you're just like, eh, we have to wait and see. And you still have to put out like an incident report or something Mm -hmm. like that on your status page. It's like, we were down because somebody else did it. Right, which is, you know, frustrating because... Um, they still have a bad experience with your hosting in our case, though, because we do HelpSpot Cloud and host HelpSpot. Affects um, your downtime or your uptime percentage. Yeah, right. Exactly. All that stuff. So um, it's frustrating for everybody because <laughs> you can't do anything to control it directly. Like in this case, we couldn't even get around Cloudflare, Cloudflare CDN stuff because you couldn't log into their control panel. Ooh. And hit That's the rough. API. So um, like sometimes you can get around it by just turning off the CDN part of Cloudflare. Mm-hmm. If the CDN, if you can actually up. log in, but in this case, we couldn't even get into the thing to do that. So, and similarly, I guess the same day, uh, Travis was having a bunch of trouble. Travis mm-hmm. CI, where they just basically ran out of API calls, or yeah, uh, they couldn't spin up more. They couldn't <laughs> spin up any more VMs. <laughs> so nuts. Uh, all these weird things could happen. That's everywhere. supposedly a good problem, right? Because you have so much demand. Mm-hmm. that you just run out of it. And you would think that it would be simple, like you just escalate the issue to some customer support person on AWS, say, hey, yeah, I need more response API. response times are bad. Even when you're paying them for support, their response time is not great. That's AWS so specifically. So. <laughs> they got enough money to not care. Yeah, it's really much. true. It's super. It's a super self-serve platform where like, we can sort of help you with issues, but you're going to wait a day, even if you're paying us like the highest tier <laughs> support. It's so wild, man. They charge their support by how much resources you use. So like how much you pay them for support per month scales up with your AWS usage. But the priority never goes up. So you can never just like jump in line. You can pay more for like the enterprise priority versus the regular like developer tier priority. Can Um, you pay for like to get Rodney on the phone and he fixes this right away? (laughs) I don't know what pricing tier that would be. It would be something insane. Apparently, you can't, I guess, you know, because Travis CI would presumably be able to get Rodney on the phone. And they were not able to. They had to wait in line like some schleb. <laughs> okay. What else do we got going on? Um, we got some real people into the application, like we were talking about. That part feels really cool because the actual app was working for the most part. Um, there's a few things to check up on. Um, there's a few cases like the VPN case that I just can't get around unless they feel like waitlisting our IP address range so that we can you know, do a Git clone from their VPN or something like that. They're probably not willing to do that. So um, that's actually working. So the next thing is our pricing setup. I've gotten feedback from two different people and they have given me the idea and I think it kind of makes intuitive sense that um, I don't, I don't necessarily think this is how we go immediately with an app um, once we kind of like launch and get people in the app, but it might be a thing like immediately after that is that a lot of times developers will be the first people to use your app and then say like, go to their person with a credit card who can make a purchasing decision. The person who meets a developer focused app might not be that person who with the power to make the purchase. And, and in that scenario, you don't necessarily want to do like a credit card upfront free trial type thing. 
because that's a super big barrier to someone who like not some someone who does not have a corporate credit card someone who's not like the person making a purchase in the end if they just want to try it out and get something working and then they can go to someone and say like just pop your credit card in here and we can continue on using chipper so i don't know if that's going to be like a barrier that's really like the whole open source is free model right right or you know is there another version of that since we're not focusing on open source projects Mm mm-hmm I mean, I think it works like that even for paid stuff, right? Like, that's sort of why, that's my guess of why every other CI app we see as a free tier. So I think some theme along that to get people in the app and something working might be a good idea to do. It might not be the first thing we do, uh, because I know we definitely want to get some revenue in the door to help pay for infrastructure and all that kind of stuff. Expenses aren't super high right now, but there are expenses, right? Just like the AWS bill and then, you know, are paying hosting just for our Tripper CI email and then paying a thing to send emails, uh, pusher if we go over their free limit, um, that kind of stuff. Which I've understood that pusher gets really expensive once you go over the free limit. Mm, I, like yeah, I don't quickly. know yet. Um, but anyway, it'd be nice to get some revenue in the door for that kind of stuff. And I think um, some of our closer friends and colleagues might be like the first people who get on board the application to do that. And then we can kind of see uh, and test around to see what brings, what works better to get people in the door. Cause um, intuitively it feels like getting people in there, uh, like developers to like play around with it and get something working might be a good way for them to then go to whoever make a purchasing decision within a company to, to get in there on the flip side, uh, the support for that could be a, barrier you know if a lot of people on a free tier and if there's a lot of them that come in and try it out uh, that could be really tough on us with our time limitations so there's that kind of thing to consider mm-hmm. yeah definitely a trade-off there is it a, just going to be a season of hustling and answering that support as quick as possible or which in some ways happen? is okay i mean especially if you get our documentation up to par and like get some canned responses for common questions and that kind of thing yeah, getting kind of sort systems in place and templates, right. you know. Because 99% of it is going to be like, my build's failing, and then we're going to be like, well, you don't have this key in place probably because that's like 99.9% of why our builds fail. And like, I don't know what to do about that because we, every application is very specific in what environment variables it needs to, to run tests and to build and all that stuff. Um, you know, we can try to guess, but guessing feels kind of grim and hard. Like it would be like, I don't know what we would do. We'd be like, oh, it looks like you have Stripe in your composer uh, package file. Do you need Stripe keys in your environment? Like that kind yeah. of guessing we could do. And is that the kind of support that we need to provide where it's, or do we just need to provide the output? Right. And the way to self debug. Yeah. I mean, self debugging would be definitely handy. I, I really like having good support, like helping people that way, but the time limitations could be kind of crazy. Depends. That also is a good way, a good reason to do a slower rollout of like invites uh, at the start of the application, going through a mailing list maybe, and just you know sending out a hundred invites at a time and see who comes aboard. And that'll give us like an idea of of real real usage of what crazy things people are going to do and need, and what the support might look like. I just got a message from Zoom. It said that the meeting was upgraded, and now nice. includes unlimited minutes by the uh, by the host. Okay. Sure. You do some? I did nothing. Okay. You're welcome. I accept. <laughs> this is the the interesting idea here. I like the idea of figuring some way to get people in the door. I don't know if I'd call it a free tier, but I do like the idea of doing some kind of idea there where like maybe you get a project and 
you get X number of working builds. Once you get your project building successfully and your test passing, you get like X number of free ones before you hit a limitation. Um, so like you can get in the app, you can hook up a project, you can get it working and then you can get it working for a little bit. Uh, but then like your trial starts and it needs a credit card or something like that. Yeah. Um, this is kind of similar idea. We haven't really talked about it, but the idea of a usage based building, like mm -hmm. what if there was like a micro cost per, per build or something like that. It's not very predictable for the business. So I know why people would not like, like that, but I could see like a small developer, like, Hey, I'm not going to use this, but like 10 times this month, I'd only, <laughs> I don't want to pay $49 a month for something I use 10 times, but could I do pay per build or that'd be an interesting as like the base tier, but then you yeah. get like the solid. Um, and if you want predictable pricing, then right. you jump up to a plan. And then that also would have our like team features and that kind of stuff when you jump yeah. up. That's an interesting idea. It still has a barrier if you need a credit card up front, but I wonder if we could change that. Like after your first month of usage, then you need to put a credit card in to, to pay for that month. You just used up for free to get people in the app as like sort of a free tier, not really a free tier, but just to get them started in the application. Cause I really want to reduce the barrier to entry so that they see the app and want to use it. And then like, if they're in a company that would use it, expand into that company. Yeah. If we're targeting the right customers, those people be nice to let those people in the door, invite them in and let them try it out and discover that it is the product for them, you know, right. Without all these barriers, arbitrary barriers. Yeah, exactly. That are like sort of kind of based on fear. They're like, well, if you use too much and you run up the bill on our, our end, yeah. that's not good. We want to mitigate against that versus. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, we can do some stuff against that too. Um, I don't want to do too much because it does. I don't want to. I want it to be arbitrary. You know what I mean? It's just like you said. Yeah. It should have a good reason why you're uh, limiting like people's resources and that kind of thing. And cost is a good reason, but it's just like. I don't want it to be like a skeevy, like we're trying to get as much money out of people as we can type thing. Yeah. Did you read that article Derek Reimer posted about aligning, you know, the business along natural divisions and your customer types versus just like, cause he was on this plan page and it was like hobbyist and then pro or some sort of like, sort of like subtle language that implied that he was not serious about his project. Right. You know? Yeah. But he was actually his, Usage only aligned with the hobbyist plan, and that kind of turned him off. Mm -hmm. um, That's funny, yeah. So there was a it was a good article on that. Yeah, I have to check that out. I don't know. I don't. I have a vague memory of that, but I don't know if I read it. So I think yeah, if we do a plan like a usage based as the lower end tier, right? We don't not using like language. The it's like schmuck plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Super aggro. Yeah. Super passive aggressive. Not even. It's sort passive. of dark patterns. Yeah, it was like against dark patterns, like. Like adding something to your cart. I just realized I was victim of this where like package, like insurance or like shipping insurance was added to a cart on one of these keyboards that I bought from China. And I was like, oh, that seems like I need that. And so I just left it in there. It was like $2.50. But, you know, is that a dark pattern adding yeah, right. that one? I didn't, I didn't yeah, that add that my myself. Right. <laughs> they could have asked me, you know, so it's not doing those dark patterns by labeling things that make you feel like you're, well, no, I'm a legit developer. I'm, I'm right. a, I have a real project. No, yeah, this is a pro. This is a pro plan I need. It may I not be aligned yeah, with that. I definitely want to avoid trying to like just like get blood from a stone. It's not really how I want to run a business. <laughs> yeah. Cool. 
Uh, all right, so we're about at 30 minutes. I think this is probably a good place to wrap up. Yeah. Cool. So we got um, child noises in the background, both our ends. Yeah. Dead birds outside up- my window. Dead birds, good. Got project updates, talk about some business stuff. Cool. All right, uh, let's wrap up, and we can come back uh, in a week or two. I don't want to definitely say, like, every week. It would be nice every if it was every week, but we got to, like, actually have something to talk about. Yeah, and slow rolling this out may not have we may not have a big update every week yeah so we'll see what happens all right all right till next time